Welcome to Day Zero Update for April 3rd, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Daniel Victoria. And yeah, we have a big week this week. We have uh, quite a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. One of the major anime series that Bandai Namco has access to mm-hmm. has announced their next big game. It seems like they're their first one they're really taking seriously. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about one of Nintendo's big 2022 releases being delayed to next year. Because that's kind of typical with Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sony's finally revealed their big overhaul of PlayStation Plus. We'll go over all of those details. Yep. Uh, let's see. We have some bad news about E3. Though not unexpected. Let's let's be honest. No. <laughs> no. People are surprised about it, and it's like, yeah, no. Mm. Uh, let's see. We got some more Activision Blizzard news. And then, uh, yeah, some uh, some unfortunate news about uh, one of the big studios over at Microsoft about some bad stuff that's been going on over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that, and we'll get to that stuff here in a little bit. We'll be talking about what we've been playing, and I will kick it off here. Uh, the uh, one thing I've been playing here is Lawn Mowing Simulator, mm-hmm. uh, which has been uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a handful of jobs into that uh, right now. This is newly released on PlayStation. It's about 20% off for PlayStation Plus members, uh, which is a pretty good price. I think it's about 16 bucks there mm-hmm. uh, for that. And essentially, you start your own. Uh, lawn mowing service of sorts. Uh, essentially, uh, the way they have it set up is you got a truck in a in a trailer or not trailer like a little I like little trailer thing. I guess uh, there's no like top to it or anything. It's just a flatbed trailer uh, that yeah. your your mower gets brought in on. Yeah, as well as a uh like a weed whacker. Yeah. I guess you can do some edging work if you want. Though, yeah, all of the gigs I've had so far don't require you to get that specific with it. Yeah, uh, I imagine it will. God, I hope it's a lot more fun than actually fucking doing it. Because God, I had to do edging this week, and yeah, not 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 pleasant. It's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. The nice thing is you can turn the mower audio down quite a bit so it's not yeah instead destroying of, your hearing yeah like for some reason apparently we have not gotten past the point where we can have lawnmowers you know you know uh powered lawnmowers that don't completely destroy your hearing you know yeah unless you want to do it <laughs> yeah unless you want to do it that old school way with the like spinning lawnmowers yeah and those things are a bitch to to work with. I've you, I've used them before. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why there aren't. I assume there are quiet lawnmowers. I, you would think that they probably at least come up with an electric powered lawnmower at this point. I'm gonna Google it. There, are, yeah, there supposedly are some quiet ones. I don't know if that's quiet in relation to the ones you know about. Well, if it's quieter than a jet engine, it's definitely quiet. <laughs> Yeah, these say these mention whisper quiet, <laughs> which would be good. They might be push ones. 
uh, sort of the hand yeah. pushing ones. Yeah, uh, which at least better than uh, what you might expect. Yeah, God, can you tell we're all getting old because we ended up go- drifting off on this tangent? <laughs> oh, I, I haven't had a lawn to mow in years. Yeah, well, lucky you. Yeah, no, that's the the fun part <laughs> of this is you're just doing this job. You don't necessarily have to be great. There's no like thing to it that is like, oh, you got to actually worry about the the presentation of it either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do get a little bit of that uh, where you can see like the uh, the wheel patterns as you mm-hmm. mow, uh, that kind of thing. But that's not really been a big part of it. That's just more so you know where to drive as you're going around because the mm-hmm. way I've always done it is kind of circling in yeah. with the increasingly weird patterns you get. Yeah. Because no lawn is really perfectly just a, you know, square piece of grass, anything nope. like that. Especially if you got, you know, uh, flower beds and trees and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a, it's a fun game. Uh, there's not really a ton to like upgrade or anything. I, I think as you get more money, you get the opportunity to buy new uh, mowers. There are better ones in there, but uh, I think I'm per- uh, currently upgrading my HQ so I can have two mowers, two bays. Mm. Uh, so I can't really buy another one just yet. Mm. Uh, but also be able to potentially hire other people, send them out on jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting. So I'm curious to see more, more of this game. I have been getting jobs. It's like, that are at the same place. Just, Oh, here's the other lawn they have. And it's like, why don't you hire people to do both? Uh, cause that's like a weird thing. And sometimes I've had one job where, uh, there are sort of lawns that are separate from each other, you know, mm. like a front lawn that has, you know, driveway and all that in between in the backyard. Yeah. It's not all connected, that kind of thing. So mm. there's some interesting stuff there, but yeah, I look forward to put some more time into that. Mm. Uh, let's see. The other game I'm playing is Tunic, mm. uh, which I have been making a good bit of progress after uh, realizing what to do with one of the mechanics mm. that uh, they revealed to you in the instruction booklet uh, so, and found a whole area that's based all around that conveniently, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. Uh, let's see that... Uh, yeah, just been working my way through that stuff. I did go into this other area, the the quarry they call it, that kind of weirdly enough gives you uh, a lot of trouble because you get near certain parts of it and your health just starts going down. Your health mm-hmm. bar just starts shrinking, and it's sort of like you're losing health uh, for that. But yeah, that is uh, uh, eventually found. Uh, a card that lets you equip this uh, gas mask kind of thing that solves that whole issue. Uh, though then I think I am not that, uh, I don't know. I'm not that, uh, not supposed to be there yet or something like that. Cause I, I just couldn't figure out what to do at a certain point. Uh, even got into an area where I went down a broken ladder and that didn't, lead me to anywhere. Mm. So I had to uh, essentially go to the menus to like quit out 
uh, which just puts you back at the start of the area you're currently in. So I got a, mm-hmm. out of the out that way. I've uh, also got a new weapon that's kind of weird. I'd mm-hmm. say like sawed off shotgun. That's just kind of very ridiculous uh, for what that is. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's tunic. I'm still kind of wandering around trying to figure out what I did. Run into a boss that destroyed me pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, so that's something I'm gonna come back to when I get to a little more uh, upgrades in there or something. I don't know. I haven't figured out necessarily what the the trick is, but that is uh, that is tunic. Looking forward to put some more time into that. Mm. Uh, let's see. The other game I'm playing, MLB The Show 22, mm. uh, just came out for people that bought the like MVP uh, editions and whatnot. Uh, the weird thing is they're selling a bundle on, not really a bundle, it's DLC on the Xbox version to let Game Pass people play it early. Mm-hmm. It's 50 bucks, but there's no like DLC to it. That's you know, like the they did that for Forza where it's like, oh, you get the, the DLC pass uh, to jump in early. Mm-hmm. Like if you had bought the expensive edition of Forza, Fi- Forza Horizon 5. Uh, but here it's just like, oh, you get maybe a couple extra packs and such mm-hmm. that would kind of be in the like MVP edition. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's a bit of a weird thing. It's 50 bucks. I was like, might as well just buy the game at that point. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing a good bit of that so far, uh, liking it a lot. It feels like a kind of more finely tuned version of what they put out last year, mm-hmm. uh, which was a bit rougher on the edges as they tried to get their sort of multi-platform stuff going. And this time around, they've kind of uh, really sanded down the edges a good bit and made it a, a pretty good product here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, the one thing that's rubbed people wrong last year is in road to the show. You could only kind of have one, one character, one player uh, at one position. You couldn't necessarily easily create others at other positions. So you could have maybe, you know, a pitcher and, somebody on uh, a ball player, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, though they do have the, uh, the two way player kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but this time around you can have like five, I think players that you can make. So if you want to have a variety of uh, potential players, that's uh, a thing you can definitely do. And you can just jump into uh road to the show with them pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, they definitely fixed one of the, the issues I had with Road to the Show, which is that when you went to games, they would just uh, start you in like a manager mode. Yeah. So you could kind of see like uh, people going up to bat, that kind of thing, up until your player is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's just like there's an option that you can be like, just put me in the mode that just fast forwards to uh, my players, you know, at bat or pitching, whatever, whatever side you're on. Uh, so that is much better. Mix it a little bit faster there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is there? There's uh, Diamond Dynasty has gotten some improvements here and there. Uh, they mm. got some more uh, 
single player stuff to do. And there's like a seasons kind of thing where it lets you uh, do a bit more of a, a long-term kind of thing uh, versus just a lot of the single player stuff they've had is like, there's the, the XCOM esque kind of conquest mode. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, just regular play versus CPUs. And you get the little programs that have like various tasks and such you can do. Uh, but now they've added this like, little season mode here. That's pretty neat. I haven't tried that specifically yet, but I've been just jumping around. But yeah, it seems like a very good baseball game. Yeah. Uh, a good follow-up that fixes a lot of the uh, rough edges of the last one, yeah. uh, but doesn't necessarily add any like major, uh, huge, you know, new features or changes or anything. Uh, so that's I've been playing on PS5. So uh, that's where I am at. I'm curious to see how uh, the server stuff goes for the Xbox launch and Switch launch, I guess, because when they when Game Pass people got on, it just destroyed the servers mm. uh, for a few days there. So I'm hoping that they have that ironed out a bit more this time around. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's MLB The Show 22. The other one I've been playing is Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a good April Fool's joke, which is uh, putting on this video of these uh, three-wheeled cars. Mm. Uh, if you know the the real world, kind of like three-wheeled cars, which are uh, very easy to tip over. Because uh, it's one in the back, uh, or two in the back, one in the front. And so if you're not very careful when you're uh, turning, they can sort of just flop over. Uh, the few racing games I know that have had that kind of stuff. And this is, you know, Rocket League. Uh, they have mm-hmm. a limited time mode uh, for that. That is fun, but also frustrating uh, because it's if you're playing like you normally play Rocket League, mm. uh, these cars are just frustrating to figure out and get used to. And I, I assume the mode is only going to be available for uh, another day or so here. Uh, they've had it for all weekend. Uh, but mm. it's fun to see a game where very few people have uh, figured it out. So you just see people constantly having their cars flop over and uh, missing the ball easily because it's hard to line up shots, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just a fun time. So that's been the the fun thing with Rocket League here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Uh, well, I am still playing Elven Ring, and I'm getting, yeah, I'm legitimately getting pretty close to the end of it now. Um, I, uh... I talked about this yesterday. I had uh, gone to go and fight Rikard, who is the Lord of Blasphemy. He's one of the demigods that you can go up a fight against um, to get their rune and everything. Um, and in order to do this, you have to go to Mount Gilmer to the Volcanic Manor, and you have to take do some jobs for uh, his uh, consort, Tanith, which involve him you going out to fight um, three different uh, individuals by quote-unquote invading them sort of the same way that you would invade another player's game. Um, except in this case, they're not actually 
you know, they're not actual players, they're just NPCs. And the first two are actually fairly easy. Um, I mean, they're, I would say fairly easy. Fairly easy in the context of an Elden, of Elden Ring. Um, they are challenging, but they're not terribly complicated to fight. The third one, though, however, is very difficult. Juno is his name, and he has... Not only does he have a pretty sick set of armor, um, he has two whips that he uses, dual whips, and both of them not only knock a chunk of your health out of you, but they also build up bleed effect in you. And the thing about bleed in Elden Ring is it's not like a thing where it like slowly drains you of your hit points or anything. It's the exact difference. Um, if you get hit with bleed enough, eventually you'll end up just gushing out blood and it'll just take out like a massive chunk of your of your uh, energy. So if the uh, first part hasn't killed you already, um, the bleed definitely will. Um, but I did finally get him. It took several tries. And then I had got the chance to actually go and fight Rykard. And Rykard, originally, you meet him as this thing called the Devouring Serpent, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a giant snake all coiled up that can, like, spew poison and, you know, bite and swallow you and... Because, you know, you're fighting him in, like, the heart of a volcano, he can also, like, kick up waves and lava at you. Um, but the game provides you with a weapon that makes the fight against him much easier, which is called the Serpent Hunter, which is this enormous spear that, when used against uh, Rykard, it shoots out these beams of light that not only... Uh, have a better range than the spear itself has, but also packs quite a punch and actually gets increasingly more powerful with every hit that you land. And then I got killed by him too many times, so I decided to go out and do some other stuff and level up, and I accidentally sold the Serpent Hunter. And that would have been the end of it, but when I restarted the game uh, last night, apparently the game either took pity on me or it kicked me back to an earlier save, uh, because I had the Serpent Hunter on me again. So I was able to go back and rechart, you know, get, you know, upgrade it. Uh, so I was able to go back and I managed to beat Rykard. So Rykard's dead. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, the last, basically, place in the whole game that I have to explore uh, on the map is the uh, mountaintop of the Giants. And... It's actually one of the largest parts of the game, so much so that, like, it's not, it's actually split up into two or three different uh, map uh, places that you have to collect to get the whole thing. Um, but yeah, um, as usual, you know, as far as, like, from software games go, um, you know, they're difficult, but if you keep at it, you definitely grow stronger and. It never comes off as unfair. You just have to, you just have to learn every time you die, basically. And uh, on top of that, I also played uh, Weird West, which is a game from Wolfside Studios, which is made up of um, former developers from Arcane, so people who worked on the first Dishonored game and 2017's Prey, you know those games. Um, it's basically a dark fantasy alternate version of the Wild West where, you know, it still very much has like a lot of the trappings of the Old West. But, you know, like the names and the lore is different. So like, you know, um, 
you know, they have like various gods and there's like a bunch of like monsters and stuff like that. And basically the game is divided up between five different characters. The first one's a bounty hunter. Second second is a dude who was transformed by a sorcerer into something called a pig man. Um, third is a XP of an Apache uh, who is searching to find who it is that's trying to kill his tribe. Third one is a werewolf. Just I mean, fourth one is a werewolf, just straight up werewolf. And the last one is a cult member. <laughs> um, and the game is played in like an isometric perspective, um, which both works and works with it and works against it, kind of, because... There are two ways that you can look at it. You can either work at it from the far-off isometric perspective, or you can get a close-up so that you can kind of see what's in front of you. But uh, the game, it, the way the game works is it's very much in that immersive sim sort of thing that Arcane is known for. So it's, you know, the game world is dynamic, meaning that, you know, there's numerous ways you can go about basically every... Uh, every mission in the campaign. Um, and, you know, the, the choices you make in them will end up having a effect on the game world at large. Um, but the thing is, is because of that, combat in this game can be a little difficult uh, because, you know, obviously it's still very much like a Western, so you got guns, right? Well, um Aiming in this game requires you... It's, it's almost like a twin-stick shooter, almost. Um, and, you know, gunfire happens very quickly in this game, meaning that you have to utilize stuff like cover, and you have to, like, think out who you're going to shoot first, or at least try to kill first, depending on, you know, how far close to you and where they're located. Um but theoretically, you can go through the entire game and not kill a single person. Um, it's not easy, though, because there's a lot of... Uh, even when I was starting out, I would, you know, the first two times I would go up my first enemy, and I could, you know, knock them out fairly easily, but uh, it's kind of randomized. So the third time I went up, he managed to sense me before I tried to choke him out, and he actually started shooting at me, so I had to shoot him back. Um it is good though. I, I'm I'm really liking it. Um, but the best part is it's free on Game Pass. It came out on Game Pass day one that it was released. So if it's something you it sounds interesting and you're on Game Pass, give it a shot. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been playing. So what about you, Dan? Yeah, um, I haven't been playing a whole lot just because it's been a busy week at work and I just got back from a trip I'm watching WrestleMania right now. But the game that I have been playing is a. Uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Mm-hmm. Um, made a bit more progress than where I was last week. Um, I just finished the amusement park world, which mm-hmm. I think is the third world in the game. And um, yeah, like I, like like I said before, like even though it's a Kirby game that sort of like masquerades as like this 3D platformer, and, and, and it fully is. Like you know, don't don't mistake the fact that it's still very much a Kirby game. Um, but what really sets this game apart from the rest is that. Um, you actually do get this sense of uh, sort of Nintendo challenge in it. Like, you know, um, 
similar to the side-scrolling new Super Mario Brothers games where, you know, hey, we, we should find all three of the big coins before finishing the level. So with that, you have um, the Waddle Dees that are, that are hiding in cages in, in various parts of each level. Mm-hmm. And what I'm having the most fun with um, are these little sort of mini-games within some of the levels that really uh, give it, like, a different kind of flair. Like, for mm-hmm. example, um, you've all seen the um, the videos of... Uh, Kirby's swallowing up a car. Oh yeah, and, you know it became a meme. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 not really just like you know a power up. It's actually um, a sort of, sort of essential to the game in order to like 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 move on. But mm-hmm. um, it, it just so happens where these little sections also double up as mini games. So as the car, you have the ability to jump, of course, and you also have the ability to speed up. Um, and when you speed up, it sort of like makes itself like a race. So there's this one part in the game where you, you go ahead and suck the car up and then all of a sudden you're in this race course and you want to be able to, you know, clear that race course as quickly as possible. And if you do, um, if, if, if you uh, finish that race course within uh, an, uh, a certain amount of time, then you get three power ups. Like, you know, one could be food to replenish your health. The other is a bunch of coins. And normally first place is the, uh, uh, the, the secret Waddle Dees. And... Um, when you finish like the, the, that part of the minigame, for example, you also have a warp star there that'll bring you back to the beginning of that section, just in case you know you didn't um, finish it fast enough. You can go ahead and do it again. So it's these sort of things that really um, give the game like better value, and um, at the same time, just give you a reason to just go back and smell the flowers. Um, you know, it, 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 it kind of like likens to you know games like Breath of the Wild and. Um, Super Mario Odyssey, where the game isn't isn't open world, but it it'll reward you for you know celebrating every nook and cranny, and I really appreciate that about the game because um, it doesn't um, judge how you play it. You can go ahead and you know uh, speed run through every level, or you can go ahead and complete it. You know whatever it does, there's there's nary a time where uh, you don't have a smile on your face when playing the game, and I I, I really appreciate the charm, especially you know after coming off games like. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West and Pokemon Legends Arceus, where I am just open worlded out. Like I have, I, I haven't even touched uh, Elden Ring yet, and like I don't, I don't know when. But so far, Kirby has given me a good break, if you will. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. All right. All right. So yeah, let's get to our first bits here, since it is a new month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have subscription services with new content coming. Yeah. Uh, we'll start off here with PlayStation Plus. Uh, we will be get to more PlayStation Plus news later, but they announced their three games for the month. And there is, let's see, the main one is Hood Outlaws and Legends, the sort of mm-hmm. uh, multiplayer uh, sort of heist game mm-hmm. of sorts. Uh, that's for PS5 and PS4. I heard some good things about it, but uh, I don't think it's done super well. So uh, that'll hopefully give it some more people playing it for the people that enjoy it. Uh, Let's see here. Next up is SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. Mm -hmm. The uh, remaster of the PS2 platformer that uh, SpongeBob SquarePants fans like. Yeah, it's actually a pretty solid platformer. Yeah, and uh, this seems to add, uh, let's see, a horde mode. That you can play with uh, up to two players online or offline. Mm. 
Uh, and the third game here, Slay the Spire uh, for the PS4, is a fantastic game. It's a, a deck builder roguelite mm-hmm. uh, where you are sort of building up your deck as you're going through and beating up uh, these enemies that you encounter, but you also get a, uh, a sort of map that you progress on and mm-hmm. choose your paths to uh, potentially go for other, you know, rewarding stuff or avoiding, you know, fights or maybe going towards fights, whatever way it works for you. Uh, there are multiple classes that uh, play a bit differently depending on how you uh, play that game. But yeah, that's a fun little game that'll be going live here on, I think, Tuesday, uh, April 5th. Will be mm. when that stuff starts. Uh, but yeah, they also mentioned here that Persona Five is coming down from that PS Plus collection on the PS Five mm. on May eleventh. Uh, so if you've not added that to your lineup, your uh, library, uh, mm-hmm. definitely do so here in the next month or so. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that one. Pretty good lineup there uh, for games with gold. Let's see, available now uh, for the uh, modern. Games, there's another site, which I really do not know too much about this one. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of an adventure game of sorts. Yeah, they describe yeah. it's a real fantasy adventure with steampunk elements set in London in 1899. Uh, yeah, potentially like a puzzle platformer-ish kind of adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're uh, available April 16th. Hugh? Uh, which is a pretty cool indie game that is all based on colors, as you might guess mm-hmm. from the name. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of got a little bit of a, a metroid kind of feel to it as you're getting colors uh, to your arsenal that allow you to open up other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. Sounds pretty good. Uh, let's see, for the, the older stuff, uh, available April 1st to the 15th, Outpost Collect. Koloki X. Mm-hmm. As a neat little management game where you're managing like a space station as you're buying upgrades and such to uh, do the various things you need to do. That's like a mm-hmm. very, very early uh, XBLA game. Mm-hmm. Might be from the launch, especially. It says here November 21st, 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. One that people may well own. Uh, let's see. In the the other one, April 16th to the 30th, is MX versus ATV Alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I had seen people mention that this is a game they've already given away uh, a few years ago. Mm. Uh, so that one's a, a repeat for some reason. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, people are looking at it like, eh, it's not a great lineup. Mm-hmm. Especially in the wake of the the PlayStation Plus announcements, uh, sort of that. So yeah, it's it's an okay lineup, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like two games there. I'm like, oh, cool, that'd be neat. But that's been kind of games with gold of late. Uh, well, let's start getting to our news here, and we have uh, some unfortunate news here. The creator of the indie game Coffee Talk, yeah, Mohammed Fami, has passed away at the age of 32. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one was out of the blue. Like it, it shocked everybody. 
Yeah, his sister managed to get on his Twitter account to announce this in and the tweet was in written in Indonesian, so uh people might have missed that. Uh but also the I think the Coffee Talk uh Twitter account as well uh reposted the news. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah, no uh cause of death has been reported yet or anything. Uh, but yeah, tough to see a guy like that pass away so early mm-hmm. as a, a number of industry folks have uh, responded to it. Uh, Rami Ismail calling him a wonderful soul. Uh, Roll7 senior UI UX designer Anissa Sanusi mm-hmm. said he was a positive influence for many people. Uh, PlayStation Studios Malaysia head Hasnol Hadi also paid tribute to him on Twitter, saying he was one of the brightest stars in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, unfortunate news to see. Yeah, God. Um, and you know the, the game he made like is really chill, and it's like really pleasant vibes and everything. And it's just, man, he did just did just damn. Shows you how, you know, life is so fragile and it can, like, just be taken away in an instant like that unexpectedly. Yeah, and he was working on a new game uh-huh. that was announced at Nintendo Direct, I think, the last year, the After Love EP. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a musical, uh, visual novel kind of game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the status of that is. I haven't had the fortune of uh, playing any of his games, but obviously this is tough to hear. Um, I actually do have most of these, and I just uh, never got, got around to play. You know, I'll, I'll definitely consider doing that soon. But yeah, like as Brandon said, like life is precious. Uh, this guy was extremely young. He definitely had no business going out this early, but it's unfortunate, especially seeing as how it was somebody who um, the gaming community held uh, quite dearly, uh, especially in, in the indie community. Mm-hmm. Just, to hear, especially with all the bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get to some other stuff here. Uh, Nintendo, in their, their typical way, they announced three more games coming to the NES and Super Nintendo apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happened in like the middle of the night on April 1st. It's mm. like, oh, what the hell is this? And the games they picked very much could be an April Fool's sorts. Mm. Uh, let's see here for Super Nintendo. There's Earthworm Jim Two. Yeah, which is a game I really loved um, when I was a kid. That uh, I mean, the first Earthworm Jim was good. Was pretty good. The second Earthworm Jim was even crazier than the first one was. Believe it or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first one was pretty random. Uh, Earthworm Jim 2 is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, I was too young to... Uh, well, I remember playing both. Uh, I remember having one on Sega Channel, if you guys remember that. Mm. But Sega Channel was never... Um, it was never reliable, so, you know, mm. there's that. But uh, I don't remember if um, Earthworm Jim was any good. I do remember it being hard. Oh, it was. <laughs> and I also remember it um, being, being being pretty funny and... For some reason, it was popular enough to have a TV show. And a comic book series. Okay. Yeah. Um, Do I remember anything about the TV show other than the theme song? No. Me neither. uh, (laughs) 
so uh, like let me just give you an idea of like how fucking random earthworm gem 2 was so like in the first earthworm gem you would have some weird stuff like uh you know suddenly you'd be you know well i mean anybody who's played these games know the weird obsession it has with cows and uh you know, just the weird, like, you know, world you'd find yourself in. Uh, at one level, you're basically, like, bungee jumping in a battle with a giant pile of snot that's hanging off the edge of a cliff. Um, one enemy is literally just an evil fish in a bowl um, that you basically kill in one hit. Um, there was also this whole thing about how you had to... Help uh, a friend of yours keep his puppies, you know, like sort of bouncing along the level into to safety into a little area over on the end of the screen. And if you dropped one, he would transform into this hideous bulldogish monster thing and tear you to pieces. Admittedly, all pretty random on their own. In Earthworm Jim 2, and like, I can't believe it, I can't remember if it was a second or third level, for whatever reason, you're turned into like a blind salamander sort of hovering through this weird nocturnal environment, and the boss is literally like a trivia game show thing that you have to do at the end of it. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> and that's just like the third level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing I remember about those games is that more they were more about the animation than any sort of graphical stuff. Yeah, I mean, graphic-wise, they were pretty advanced for the era. Yeah, it was more... I feel like the 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 animation stuff was sort of the the thing that really made it stand out. Yeah, um, part of it is because you know they had Doug Tenapple as the art director who had a background in animation. So yeah, and Doug now Tenapple. He's a, now he's yeah. a garbage person. Yo, he was always a garbage person. He was just a really talented garbage person. Yeah, but he's still slinking along, supposedly working on that Earthworm Jim Four that will. Never happen. Never yeah. release, at least. Yeah. So I'm hoping he got zero dollars from this. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Uh, it's weird to go to Earthworm Jim 2 over the first one, but if they're focusing on Super Nintendo games, that I think the Genesis versions are supposed to be the superior of those Probably. two games. Mm-hmm. And especially, I guess, the first game on the Super Nintendo is not that great. Uh, compared to the Genesis version, it's okay. The Genesis version, though, is the superior one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's one. Is of this the- uh, one of those games where um, the Genesis version and the SNES version were, were different? No, they were the same thing. It's just that the Genesis version looked better and controlled okay. better. Because I, I remember, like, there were definitely more than a few games where it was the case where they were both different games, like, especially the ones from Disney Interactive. Yeah. Um, but in the weird, in a weird case, though, to the sequel, the Super NES version is actually better than the Genesis version. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, for the NES apps, uh, they got two Namco games. Out of nowhere. Uh, not any of the ones that you might want. Mm-hmm. There's Mappy Land, which is the sequel to Mappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
or a sequel, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what this game it, is. It's, uh, I, so I actually played the, I, I played this and there's actually a, um, uh, <laughs> Game Grups famously did an episode on this and it's famous because about midway through the game, the, the NES starts glitching out and <laughs> the world just becomes a bizarre, a bizarre mishmash of colors and numbers, but it's somehow still functional. Um, but basically it was a, uh, it's kind of hard to describe. It was basically, it, it, you could kind of call it a platformer, but it was a very simple uh, kind of baby's first type platformer where you would have like maybe three or four sort of, uh, you know, planes on the 2D game that you could go to. And you had like, uh, you had enemies like, you know, cats and stuff like that. And there was always like some weird mechanic, like a gate or something or uh, something that you could trigger that could kind of get rid of at least one of the enemies that were chasing you. And basically the whole, the whole idea was to get from, you know, point A to point B, basically. It was very simple. It was charming. It's, it's a follow-up to an arcade game. Yeah. And, the, I mean, the, the, the Mappy Land itself is very arcade-y. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, uh, you know, Crystal Castles. It's like one of the easiest arcade games on the planet. Yeah. That was a, a lot of NES games. Mm-hmm. Uh, weird thing, looking at this, the Japanese version released in November of 1986. Yep. North America was April 1989. Yeah. Just well, I mean, it took, it took, sometimes it, sometimes it took Nintendo a couple of years before, you know, they ran out of a back catalog and they're like, crap, we got to release something new. <laughs> well, this was Namco. So I guess they had their, so if you didn't know, in, uh, in the, the 80s with uh, the NES, Nintendo were limited how many games publishers could put out in a year. Yeah, because uh, that, that was to sort of offset the stuff that, you know, Atari used to do back in the day where they would just release so many games at once that it just glutted the market. Yeah, so this is a game that came out in under the brand Taxan mm-hmm. in the U.S., uh, North America, which I... I don't, it's, let's see, they mentioned that it's, uh, it was started by a company called Kaga Electronic Company, mm. which I'm curious what the heck that is. Uh, it may all lead back to Namco, or they just put some of their backburner games mm-hmm. to another company. Yeah. Uh, but oftentimes, companies just created a separate company. It's like, oh, this one's the one that put this out. Yeah, Konami I mean, that's that. what Konami, Konami did that, too. Yeah, that's... A lot of companies did, did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. And the other one is Dig Dug 2. Mm-hmm. A sequel to Dig Dug that plays nothing like it. Yep. Uh, whereas Dig Dug, you were digging under the ground to take out the enemies. Mm-hmm. This one's more like, uh, what if you were sort of pumping... Uh, I don't know what you would call like air into the ground that created these like lines in the, in like this Island that's mm. then very kick style. If you get a line across, you know, 
uh, across the island, you could break off parts of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just a whole weird thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a thing that you can also play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's as beloved as the first one. Just uh, like, uh, I I, I, a lot of people probably don't even know the second one exists. Yeah, they've not really made it that available for sale to too many mm-hmm. places. Uh, I'd imagine probably like virtual console type stuff. Yeah. Uh, Namco collections is like the only places where it would be then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, let's see, they put it on the PSP Namco museum battle collection, mm-hmm. the Namco museum DS collection, uh, the Namco museum virtual arcade on the, uh, I think it's Xbox 360. Mm. Uh, they put it on virtual console, the Wii virtual console. Uh, they're part of the Namco Museum Mega Mix or the Remix mm. uh, collection on the Wii. And yeah, I guess they reimagined it as a PC game in 2007 called Dig Dug Island. Mm-hmm. That was like an MMO, uh, but that shut down in just under a year. Mm. So this game hasn't had a great history. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's the legacy of these three games they put up. Mm-hmm. Very much more uh, side stuff than maybe some of the bigger games they could put on there if mm-hmm. some third parties were interested in being yeah. nice. Uh, but let's get to an update here for Bloodstained Ritual of the Night that added an interesting new playable character. It's mm-hmm. Aurora from Child of Light. Yeah, now there's a there's a there's a in some time. <laughs> yeah. That was like one of the first uh Child of Light was like one of the first major like uh Kickstarter successes. No, this is an Ubisoft game. Oh right, it was an Ubisoft. It was an indie game, I forgot. Well no, no, it was an Ubisoft game, but it was you know what, let me start over. Hi, I'm Brandon. Yeah, this is an Ubisoft game that was on that uh engine that the uh the Rayman stuff was on. Yeah. Uh, the Ubi art engine, it might have been called. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of those like, oh, we can make some interesting artistic kind of games on this thing that aren't open world games with towers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, it did pretty well for itself. Yeah, it's actually pretty, it was pretty good. Yeah, I remember really liking it. It was a very uh, Metroidy RPG kind of thing. Yeah, it was very like fairy tale like. Uh, pretty much the whole story was like told in iambic pentameter. So it was like entirely in rhyme, and uh, yeah, yeah that could get a little grating, like yeah. a grandia, mm-hmm. where you kind of were very much angling for your character to get turns in before enemies, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and you could do moves to delay enemy turns and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do any of that shit here. Just get into the. The weird craziness that is uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Mm. Or they just said, what if you made a game where you can just break it pretty easily and make it a a very ridiculous experience? Yeah. Where he said no to ever attempting to balance it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. I believe it's free update and all that. So mm-hmm. you can check that out. Yeah. Uh, we do have one date here. Uh, a game that's been in the works for quite a while, the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, mm. has finally gotten a date from Crows, Crows, Crows. 
and it is April 27th. It'll be on everything. PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC, uh, particularly on Steam, uh, for when that releases. That is sort of the, uh, you know, a new edition of that game mm-hmm. that adds some extra stuff as well as makes it, you know, work on consoles, all that kind of stuff. And it's a, a game that's all about being meta about game development. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, that's one worth checking out. If you haven't done so, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see, see that here in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to be able to finally play that game like wholly finished. Um, yeah, because uh, I mean that project made huge, you know, huge waves when it first showed up because it was. Very much it sort of deconstructed the whole concept of, like, gaming narrative, especially, like, following a, like, narrator in a game. And it was, you know, it just, it, 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 it's one of those games now that you think about it, heavily influential. Um, so much so that now it, like, so many other developers copied it that it doesn't seem as original anymore as it, as it first was. I guess so. Uh, the the weird thing is the Steam version has a bunch of ridiculous achievements for it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it. There's one that's just achievement. This is an achievement. Uh, there's one for beating it. Mm-hmm. There's one for just quitting the game and then starting it again. Mm-hmm. There's one for don't play the Stanley Parable for five years. Mm-hmm. Which I remember trying to do that. I thought I had hit five years. Mm-hmm. And then realized that the the dates were wrong for when I was last oh. played. I was like, oh shit, now I gotta wait another five years for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll be in uh, 24, uh, 2024. So I've got two more years to wait to be able to get that one. Uh, there's one for uh, you can't jump. No, mm-hmm. seriously, we disabled it. Uh, there's one that says it's unachievable. It's impossible to get this achievement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's one for play the Stanley Parable for the entire duration of a Tuesday. Mm. So it's very much that kind of humor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah. Uh, but let's get to our next one here for another game people can get excited about. One mm-hmm. Piece Odyssey. Yep. Kind of got a bit of a surprise announcement uh, from Bandai Namco and Aichiro uh, Oda. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creator of One Piece, who announced it, uh, basically saying, like, yeah, this is going to be uh, a big full-blown RPG uh, for One Piece and seem very much a Dragon Quest-style game mm-hmm. uh, from what the, the little bit of footage they put out for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, at this point, One Piece is like... A- Pretty much like Shoaisha's like long second longest lasting manga franchise at this point. Um, like obviously, you know, Dragon Ball has been around for a while, but it ended like way back in 1996. Uh, One Piece debuted in like 1998, I think, and it's still going. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the only other uh, you know manga series that Shonen Jump had. Kochikame and that one that one has got them beat by a good 40 by like a good 20 years 
that one started in like the late 70s and didn't stop until like 2012. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, this is... Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'm a core anime fan, but I've I've never seen One Piece, and I don't ever plan on getting into it just because I know how many pills that is, and I do not care. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what makes this um, what makes this announcement rather interesting to me is the fact that it's a JRPG. Yep, and it makes you wonder like where in the One Piece mythos they're actually going to go ahead and start and finish in order to make this game have any sort of narrative. Oh, well, the neat thing about the about the One Piece universe is that it's just wacky enough that you can basically create a whole self-contained story in the game, and it can be in that weird space between canon and non-canon that it completely works. So Okay, so it, it could pretty much be like an, an anime movie where, like... Yeah, I mean, but that that's literally uh, one of the actual anime movies. It's uh, it's a, yeah. it's like it has like a time jump and everything. Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. Um, and, and like you know that that being said, like um, there are a lot of um, awesome uh, anime out there, especially now, but hardly any of them get the JRPG treatment. Yeah, like you know, obviously Dragon Ball Z has had some, but I don't remember a Dragon Ball Z RPG since. Okay, obviously there was uh, that one on that one that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, Kakarot. Yeah, Kakarot. Um, but you know, aside from that, you got to go all the way back to the GBA with the legacy of Goku. Mm -hmm. So like, again, it makes you wonder because like, um, you know, um, both Dragon Ball and One Piece have been around long enough, um, or, uh, long enough to a point where like, yeah, like you said, the story doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm just wondering like where we can go with like other anime games. Like I know that, um, there was a Demon Slayer game that just came out, and like that's like more of a fighter. And mm -hmm. most of these shonen anime tend, tend to be just, just just fighters. And I just I want I want to see um, more anime put into a uh, into a story story game where like you know um, it'll appease people who you know watch the TV show or, or or the anime or anything like that, or it'll also catch people up because that's what I did with, with the Naruto uh, Ultimate Storm games. Um, those were actually like uh, glorified fighting games with a bit of a narrative there, but yeah. it was enough narrative to actually catch me up with the episodes that I didn't want to watch or have time to watch. Mm. So, yeah. But no, this is pretty cool. And it's going to be fun to see uh, more of this game because it's certainly the best-looking game that uh, uh, the franchise has ever gotten. It's And it's a franchise that hasn't really gotten any really i don't know like in-depth games made of it well uh, there was that there was that one action art that came out a couple of years ago um yeah there's like an open world game that yeah ended up just not doing it for people yeah it, it was a little graphically it was a little too cell shaded yeah. um whereas this looks Pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, and I'm guessing Oda himself, Hiro Oda himself, is gonna be on the art direct, if not the art direction, at least uh, one of the producers. Yeah, yeah, it says here, on it. yeah, it says it right here. He said, uh, cut, "Cut Suzuki, One Piece Odyssey's producer, said the team has collaborated with Oda for the last three years of development. He says it helped create a full blown RPG with an authentic One Piece feel." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's been creating new characters and monster designs and all that kind of stuff for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how this goes. It's supposed to be out later this year. 
PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and PC platforms. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's going to be interesting to see. Looking forward to this. Mm. Uh, Yeah, let's get to a delay. One of Nintendo's big fall games uh, got delayed, though. I would not say this surprises me at all because it is still officially titled the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh Uh, It doesn't even have a name yet. So how is it going to come out here Mm -hmm. in less than eight months? They they put out a big video uh, apologizing, I guess, uh, about it and saying uh, we previously announced that we were aiming for a 2022 release for this game. Mm -hmm. However, we have decided to extend our development time a bit Change the release to spring 2023. For those of you who've been looking forward to this to release this year, we apologize. Yeah. Which has been every statement AG Aonoma has said about this game. Uh The last few times they've talked about it. Yeah. But this is also pretty typical for Nintendo. They don't release a game until they think it's actually done. So. Yeah, and that's been a problem this generation because. They've announced a lot of games way earlier than they should have. Yeah, yeah, they have. We're still waiting on Metroid Prime 4 to be more than a logo. Yeah. And that was announced five years ago. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, going to have to wait longer for that game. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of game footage in there, so people have been obsessively looking in at it. So, yeah. Have fun with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Heart Machine. They announced that Hyper Light Breaker yep. is equal to Hyper Light Drifter. Uh, yep. Drifter uh, is going to be coming next year, at least entering early access on PC mm-hmm. next year in 2023. Yeah. It looks like they are going full 3D with this. Yep. Versus the original being kind of a Legend of Zelda style 2D, top down 2D. Pixelated. Yeah. Uh, that's um, exciting to see. Yeah, and that first game is is very much it's it's an amazing game, and it also like takes heavy uh, ideas from Dark Souls as well. Uh, it, it was one of like the first two D Souls likes that existed, and it's also just damn good because it literally tells its entire story through uh, its scenery and its its imagery. Um, and it tells a, and I mean, like the way it's arranged, it 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 tells a very, very fun and very uh, gripping story solely through that particular that particular way it does it. It's, I just I love it. I loved it so much. So please go and play it if you get if you haven't played it. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah, my main issue with it is that the there's no English text in it at all. It was all in a well, like I said, language. Uh, yeah, for any sort of dialogue stuff in there. Yeah, which was made it like more more obtuse trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, but that was kind of also, at least to me, part of the charm of it is that yeah. it implies a lot that you kind of have to think about yourself. Yeah. But for me, that was a little bit much. Yeah. The game played fine. Uh, that was like, oh, okay. This will require a lot of extra work. 
just to figure out what's going on. Whereas I think kind of Tunic is doing better with a uh, an in-game language that you don't understand, uh, at least early on. Yeah. Uh, the the manual they give you mm. does a good job of giving you enough information without mm-hmm. necessarily being like a walkthrough for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this will be out next year on Steam and Early Access. Gearbox Publishing is uh, partnering with them on that, mm-hmm. but no other platforms have been announced. Yeah. I assume it'll be on consoles at some point after that. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, the big news for this week is that PlayStation announced an overhaul of PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. That we've been expecting for a while because uh, insiders have been talking about this for a few months now. Yeah. And kind of maybe reductively describing this as a Game Pass competitor. Mm-hmm. As their like Game Pass service, and that's not really what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It is kind of merging PlayStation Plus with PlayStation Now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it has three tiers. Uh, PlayStation Plus Essential, which is basically what PlayStation Plus is currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get your, uh, say they gets all the same benefits that PlayStation Plus members are getting today. You know, the the monthly downloadable games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage for saved games, multiplayer access, and yet yeah, no no other changes for mm-hmm. existing PlayStation Plus members in this tier. Right. And I believe at that point, uh, if you have a PlayStation Plus sub, you would just get rolled over into this tier. Mm. Uh, and the price for that is, I believe, the same as PlayStation Plus. Ten bucks if you're subscribing monthly, twenty-five bucks mm-hmm. quarterly, and sixty bucks for the year. Yeah, the year is the way to go mm. for that. Uh, there's PlayStation Plus Extra, which you get everything in the essential tier and adds a catalog of up to four hundred of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games. Mm. Which I believe would be probably most everything that was in the downloadable catalog for PlayStation now. Mm-hmm. Sort of adds that on top. And yeah, they mentioned they are going to be adding some new titles to the service for launch. This all is launching in June. Mm. Uh, so we're going to get uh, another month of regular PlayStation Plus. Uh, I don't know about PlayStation now. We'll have to see how that goes. Mm. Uh, I do mention that there are going to be some titles added to uh, that uh, middle tier mm-hmm. that are going to include Death Stranding, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, uh, Marvel Spider-Man Mor- Miles Morales, mm. which is a nice addition, Mortal Kombat 11, and Returnal. Uh, so there's probably two PS5 games in there. So they mentioned mm. there would be PS5 games in there. I don't know if I assume Mortal Kombat 11 will be the PS5 version. Mm. Uh, maybe Marvel Spider-Man. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, it's nice to finally get PS5 games in there. Because mm-hmm. that ser- service have been stuck on the PS4 stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For that middle tier, that's $14.99 monthly, $39.99 quarterly, and $100 for the year. Again, the yearly is the better deal if you're going to stick to that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, PlayStation Plus Premium is the highest tier here. Mm. You get everything from the other two tiers, plus 340 additional, or up to 340 additional games 
including PS3 games available just by cloud streaming, mm. as well as a catalog of classic games that you can either stream or download mm. that covers games from the original PS1, PS2, and PSP generations, which is kind of wild to finally have some some older stuff in there. Yeah. Now uh, let's see. Uh, uh, offers cloud streaming access for original PS1, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games offered in the extra and premium tiers in markets where PlayStation Now is currently available. Customers can stream games using PS4, PS5 consoles, and PC. Mm. Uh, so that stuff will be also be streamable on the PC. So that's uh, good. That's continuing what PlayStation Now has done. They also mentioned time-limited game trials will be offered in this tier. Mm. So customers can try select games before they buy. Mm. Yeah, the price there is eighteen or seventeen ninety nine monthly, yeah. forty nine ninety nine quarterly, and hundred hundred nineteen at ninety nine yearly. Which mm. again, yearly is the better deal there because yearly that makes that ten bucks a month essentially. What you're paying there, which is the same monthly cost essentially is what the basic tier is here, the essential tier. Mm. Uh, they also mentioned here PlayStation Plus Deluxe for markets without cloud streaming. PlayStation Plus Deluxe will be offered at a lower price compared to premium, includes a catalog of beloved classic games from the original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations to download and play, along with the time-limited game trials. Benefits from essential and extra tiers are also included. Mm-hmm. Local pricing will vary by market. So that'll be all the... Let's see. They mentioned the current markets where PlayStation Now is available. U.S., Canada, Japan, U.K., France, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, mm-hmm. Luxembourg, Austria, Switzerland, Ireland, Spain, Italy, Portugal, Norway, Denmark, Finland, and Sweden. So countries outside of that would get access to this PlayStation Plus Deluxe tier. That's sort of... Uh, you can check out all these other downloadable stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since you're not able to get cloud at the moment, you'll get a discount, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which, as at least, is a pretty good uh, opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other details here? They do mention that if you have PlayStation out currently, uh, you will transition into the premium tier. That's that $18 mm-hmm. a month tier, which is a... Uh, a great bargain there. Mm-hmm. Cause you essentially spent 60 bucks for a, a tier that is 120 bucks to get uh PlayStation plus included as well as all the PS one, PS two and PSP games that are being added. Uh, they do mention, let's see, they're rolling out the new PlayStation plus offering in a phased regional approach. The June timeframe will begin an initial launch in several markets in Asia, followed by North America, Europe, and the rest of the world where PlayStation Plus is offered. Mm-hmm. We aim to have most PlayStation Network territories live with our new PlayStation Plus game subscription service by the end of the first half of 2022. Uh, we also plan to expand our cloud streaming benefit to additional markets. We'll provide more details at a later date. And yeah, definitely the the downside of this announcement is that there is a obviously a big lack of detail on uh, the new titles that are being put in this service. Mm -hmm. You know, what PS1, PS2, and PSP 
games are going to be in this? How are they going to play? What sort of graphical options, control options you'll get? All that kind of stuff. Uh, but they are announcing this, you know, about two months ahead of it launching. Mm-hmm. So we got plenty of time to get that information, but it kind of leaves you in a weird place of like, well, we know the prices and what features they're getting, mm-hmm. but we don't know the the full list of what it is. Yeah, what is going to be there? And I believe they have mentioned that the that PlayStation Plus collection that's in uh, PlayStation Plus currently is still going to continue. Mm-hmm. That was the Persona 5's coming down from it. Yeah. That seems like the only change, really. Mm-hmm. And I assume for most of this stuff here, what's in PlayStation Now currently, that it doesn't have an expiration date, is probably going to roll over. Mm-hmm. But I imagine not everything is going to, since this probably requires some extra work on publishers for approvals and contracts and all that. Mm-hmm. So this might be where you see like the the weird Bethesda games that are on there uh, roll out and become Game Pass games, mm-hmm. like Wet and some of that kind of weird shit. Uh, but yeah, seems pretty solid for what it is, but it's definitely not going to be uh, a Game Pass mm. type of service, as Jim Ryan's been out there saying that. Uh, yeah, we're not going to have our games on there at launch. Uh, but he did say essentially like, but uh, this industry is changing quickly. So you know, yeah, never say never. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like this whole thing has been handled pretty weirdly. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a foregone conclusion that we wouldn't see any uh, PS exclusives, you know, day one, on day one, day and date. Yeah. Um, but at the very least, you think the value would make a little more sense. Uh, that being said, the value here isn't bad, especially if you buy at an annual rate. Uh, in fact, you really should buy at an annual rate, because if you do the math, uh, it's the value you, you want to get. Um, aside from that, honestly, the real problem with PlayStation Now, and you, you can go ahead and pair PS Plus with it, is the fact that it really wasn't promoted very well. Um, when it first came out, it got like this, this stigma of uh, everything only being available on cloud and whatnot, and backwards compatibility with the ps3 was complicated mainly because of the cell processor and 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 all this stuff and you're seeing a lot of the same problems here and you know as uh, as awesome and and as expected as we expect playstation to be with the playstation blog uh you would think something like this would again be promoted a little better like um i can't really say much because like i'm not really the uh casual gamer type to like not know what any of these services are but I would assume that if I was on the outside looking in, I really wouldn't know what the difference is between, like, you know, PlayStation Plus Essential, PlayStation Plus Deluxe, uh, and, and, and all this stuff. And, like, it, it really makes you wonder, like, where the value really is. Like, should, should the classic stuff really be, uh, be locked to the most premium version? Mm. Like, to me, that would come off as something that you want to add to the, um, the second level. But at the same time, I feel like the third level is there just so you can get the second level to go ahead and pay the extra. Uh, the extra few dollars a month or a year that it costs. But, um, yeah, like, I would have expected an announcement like this to come with a trailer or something, like maybe a deck to really um, fully understand everything that's here. And granted, like, uh, the blog is written in a way where, yeah, everything is totally understandable. But if you're trying to appease to the masses or anybody within the PlayStation ecosystem or people that you want to be a part of it, um, 
especially when you can when you compare it to Game Pass, it still lacks. And again, like Sony doesn't really have to go ahead and follow that formula because unlike Microsoft, or I wouldn't really say unlike, but you know, their their, their first party games actually sell. So and they 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 already have a diverse lineup and have had it for the past two and a half generations. So you know, I I understand that there. So, um, yeah, they they probably did feel a need to go ahead and be more competitive in this market. But all of, or not really all of it, but when you, when you look at you know how they're gonna go ahead and put these games on and the lack of information there is here, it's like it's very much Nintendo, and that's really unfortunate because both Nintendo and Sony probably have the most impressive backlogs of games in mm-hmm. history and microsoft is eating their lunch and that's really sad but at the same time you also got to hand it to microsoft for go ahead and for going ahead and giving gamers the value that you know they're they're expecting when they go ahead and buy their console so that's a pretty cool thing there and again like i just really find this um pretty weird seeing as how like microsoft is still like the, the good guy in all this giving giving the value but you know let's let's not um take away from the fact that they're also in it to make some money too. Because remember, Microsoft actually tried to make Game Pass more expensive um, a few months after it's uh, after it became sort of mainstream. Eventually, they went back on that. But, you know, we're, we're going to get to a point, especially with all of Microsoft's um, acquisitions, that they will mm-hmm. win. But uh, at the same time, their their value is still way better than everybody. Um But yeah, the, this PlayStation um, announcement doesn't really appeal to me all that much, just because, like, um, you know, we're, we're the type of people who pretty much get uh, what we want to get from them day one anyway. And it's, you know, obviously it's an entitled position to be in. But um, just just from where it is, we hope that there's some value there, uh, particularly uh, with the with the monthly stuff that we're seeing with PS Plus. Like as of right now, when you compare PS Plus to, for example, games with gold, PS Plus blows it out of the water. Yeah. So as long as we continue to see a, a, a continued value there, I, I, I think we'll be OK. It'll be interesting to see how PlayStation continues to pivot, or if they even want to market this even better. Because we know that they're very capable of marketing well, but we haven't seen it with Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll see, like, a trailer or something like that closer to when this is actually going to be launching. Mm-hmm. I think they're announcing a lot of these details now is more of a means for uh, their hardcore audience. Yeah. The people that are you know, probably going to stick with uh, you know, subscription, uh, subscribing to this thing, mm-hmm. whether whatever tier they want to go for, but uh, it's been a thing for a while that people have been wanting a a way for them to merge PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, mm-hmm. especially just for the downloadable stuff. Yeah, once they got that whole thing squared up. Uh, so that's kind of what that second tier is for. Is like, oh, if you want just all the downloadable stuff uh, there, uh, that's made for you know your PS4 or PS5. Uh, there you go. And it seems like the the bonus stuff for the the older games is kind of why they're going for that because that stuff requires a bit more work, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, that would have been nice to see. Any sort of lip service of like, yeah, we're going to try to work on this PS3 backwards compatibility thing and get those games actually natively playable on a PS4 and PS5. Yeah. Uh, in some way, but I understand that's a little bit tougher than uh, people probably think. Even with the the PS3 emulator that's out there that I've seen people 
everybody's like, oh, that's there. That means they can do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's still plenty of those games that are very rough uh, state. It's not a complete thing by any stretch. Uh, there are a lot of games, especially the ones that are sort of exclusives made for the PS3 that do not run very well on that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's that kind of emulator is a thing where people are cool with the roughness because they are, you know, wanting to see how things improve and all that. Mm-hmm. But if Sony were to put out their emulator in that state, they would get roasted and uh, definitely have a lot of unhappy customers. So I don't. I would like them to get it out when they can and get it right, versus being in any sort of rough state that uh, the uh, the I think it's RC PSX three something like that RC PC PS three. Something like that. That is uh, a pretty solid emulator for what it for what it's doing, but it's not something that would, you know, be basing uh, actual money on. But yeah, and like yeah, part of the problem with this announcement is that there's not much in the way of details on the actual lineup that people will be paying for. Yeah. Uh, luckily, there's time for that. Mm-hmm. I also hope they plan on like you know they're they're, they're taking out Persona Five, so I hope they're replacing it with Royal because at this point there's no point in playing the original version anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Sega's doing there. Uh, knowing Sega, they just put Strikers on there. Like fuck you, give us yeah. Royal. And like Royal's always cheap too. Like they, they, that game's always on sale, so I, I don't see why. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, what, what the? Uh, I don't know what sort of games would be moving off of there. Would there be the Bethesda stuff like I've seen? They have Telltale stuff on there that was, uh, has been on there since before Telltale uh, shut down. Mm-hmm. Like I think the Strong Bad game that yeah. they did, the episodic series was on there. It's like mm-hmm. I'm surprised this never came down. Uh, you would have thought it would have, but yeah, I don't know. This series, this uh, service looks uh, pretty interesting. I'm curious to see sort of what. The offerings are, are they going to have more day one stuff on mm-hmm. uh, the PS4 and PS5 stuff? Uh, I doubt, you know, Sony's basically saying they're not going to do it. But definitely seems like indies would benefit from that kind of thing, mm-hmm. as well as some of the, the smaller publishers and all that. I don't see them necessarily going for big name games being on there uh, to the degree that Microsoft has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this uh, in the uh, the cost analysis here is seems pretty reasonable for what they're doing here, because uh, for the yearly for the, the the highest tier, it's about ten bucks a month, which is cheaper than Game Pass Ultimate, uh, which gets which the weird thing with Game Pass is that the the ten dollar Game Pass doesn't get you any sort of online play for those games. Mm. Because gold is not a part of that. Mm-hmm. It's only an ultimate that it's folded in. So this the service kind of has the the online play stuff kind of folded in its at its core. Yeah. So you're kind of guaranteed because that was one of the nice things about PlayStation Now is you didn't need PlayStation Plus to play those games online. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a free benefit as sort of a standalone service. 
So they kind of have that here, but you're technically paying for it. Uh, it's a bit of a weird thing, but it seems pretty decent for what it is. Um, curious, yeah, like like I said, it's all about the lineup. And that's something we don't have right now, but I assume we'll have it here in probably another month or so from now. Mm-hmm. And that'll be fun to kind of pour through it and see like what what the classic games are. Are they actually going to go for the big, the big ones, or is Square Enix going to be Square Enix and not allow them to put, you know, uh, those original versions of Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine on there versus them already selling them on the PS4, mm-hmm. uh, as well as you know Final Fantasy ten, ten two, twelve, that kind of stuff uh, versus their PS2 versions and maybe some of their PSP games that. Uh, some of which they didn't even put on the PSN. Mm-hmm. Like Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, which is already in one of the collections. Yep. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, which never made it onto PSN for whatever reason. Now, there's a lot of PSP games there that people would love to check out, as well as PS1 and PS2 stuff. Uh, as well as, like, oh, they're going to tie any that into uh, your ownership on uh, PS3 and Vita. Uh, that stuff could be, if it's downloadable on uh, through the service, are they going to be sold separately? Mm. I would assume if that would be part of it, they would have mentioned that here. This would be a much bigger deal if you could get PS1, PS2, and PSP games natively on PS4 and PS5 to purchase. Uh, but who knows? We'll see. Here in, uh, I assume in May, we'll find out. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that was one of the big news for the week. Uh, let's get over to the next one here. That uh, yeah, they uh, E3 ESA announced that uh, they are bringing or they are canceling the digital version of E3. Yeah, which basically means there is no E3 period this year. Yeah, because they canceled the physical. Uh, convention last year, mm-hmm. which is not a huge surprise. There have been some conventions that have happened mm-hmm. uh, throughout the uh, the past few months that have gone just fine, but then mm-hmm. still people coming down with COVID and yeah, we talked about GDC how people were testing positive and deciding to still go out and socialize with people yeah. without telling them. Ways that are kind of just fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also just uh, let's be honest. At this point, E three, I don't think it's really relevant anymore. Yeah, it, they it haven't. Isn't. They haven't been able to figure out what E three is supposed to be. Yeah, because the um, last few times they had physical shows, it was like a PAX light. Yeah, with not that much stuff, so people could easily kind of walk through and get what they wanted in a day or two and yeah. have an extra day where there's nobody, no reason to go unless you're super into something that's mm. there. I mean, at this point, you know, all, you know, with, you know, with E3, the reason it thrived back when it thrived was because, you know, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have social media really. Um, yeah. You know, but once it got to the point that, you know, all the, could just reveal their games online. Um, 
you know, without having to go through the E3 middleman. That was pretty much the nail in the coffin. And I'm not saying that there won't be an E3 next year, but the fact that we actually have to ask that question does not, does not uh, send a good signal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm still part of the crew that says that E3 isn't completely useless. Like there's still some value, you know, going into, you know, June, July and like seeing um, basically all of the gaming companies, you know, um, collide and just uh, show off what's going to be, released over the next uh, year, year and a half, two years. Um, But the problem, um, as we've discussed over the years in so many podcasts, is that a lot of companies have broken their own rules. Like, for example, you know, do we really need Bethesda showing us an Elder Scrolls logo? Did we really need Nintendo showing us the logo for Metroid Prime 4? Like, those E3s are eons ago, and we still don't know what any of those games look like. Or, well, yeah, we, yeah, we, 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 we still have no idea what they look like. And... Yeah, but at the same time, you know, it was easier for um, maybe hardcore gamers in general to just go ahead and take that week off and just absorb, like, every presentation or press conference that was. Um, that being said, this was never never initially, like, what, what E3 was about. E3 was about, you know, getting um, marketing people um, behind closed doors to go ahead and talk about what games they'll be featuring on retail shelves and stuff. Here's a problem with that. Retail shelves are starting to become uh, extinct, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't reached that point yet, thank God. But, um, you know, uh, eventually with, with subscription services and just the advent of digital uh, gaming sales, they're, they're, they're becoming less and less important. Yep. Um, so that further makes E3, like, uh, not as useful as it's ever been. And to pretty much, like, put the... To, to pretty much uh, kick the door down, um, as much as the pandemic has done to make gaming even more of a mainstream media, uh, it's sort of also made, you know, events like these just, you know, further make their use questioned. Uh, like, for example, um, you know, you, you just can't show up um, at these sorts of events anymore. And if you do, like, you got to be, you know, completely safe and there's no way to go ahead and tell. Like, you know, again, like, the, the virus is, is not going anywhere, uh, much like the, the flu never has. And, um, you know, it, it, it's gotten to a point where, at least here in the United States, we're, we're, we're definitely seeing, like, shades of normality. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still um, not, uh, it, it's still not the quote-unquote safe place that it was, like, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, um, eventually, we're going to have to stop saying pre- and post-pandemic, because eventually it'll, it'll all be the same. And it's just, you know, um, getting... Just, just, just changing up, just, just, just the way of living. But yeah, um, not to veer uh, too far off track here. Like uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I still think there's, there, there's value in because it's easier for everybody to come together. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what people like Jeff Keighley do uh, in order to provide like some sort of replacement there. At the end of the day, E3 is still an, an iconic brand. Uh, unfortunately, the ESA has pretty much done everything possible to alienate everybody that was ever a part of it over the last 10 mm-hmm. years. Um, but, you know, E3 itself is, is, is still important. And, you know, without it, sure, you can go ahead and take events like PAX more seriously. But, at the, but um, you know, uh, the events are, are still a big part of it. Like, uh, as much as, like, a lot of us hate hype, um, 
that really is like a huge generator for like, you know, um, marketing and, and, and attention that each of these um, digital events provide. And for example, like not everybody is Nintendo. Like you can't just announce your direct, you know, eight hours before it actually happens and expect an audience. You know, not everybody has that kind of audience. Yeah. So um, you would hope there's some sort of medium like E3 to, you know, get all that out. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, do, do do I see it happening next year? Probably not. But I do think that whatever Keeley's doing could uh, be a solid replacement. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Jeff Keeley sort of jumped on this news to announce that uh, Summer Game Fest will be returning in June. Uh, I believe he has followed up and said that all of the events will take place in June. Mm-hmm. So no no extended time frame there. Uh, so that'll be good. But yeah, he has not provided any further dates or anything, but says they will be announcing stuff here in the coming weeks. Mm. Yeah. And like the, the summer of gaming is, is definitely something cool. Don't get me wrong. But the problem with the summer of gaming was that um, as far as like the schedule, there was really nothing set. You really ne- never knew what to expect, and there was just never a time for us to just go ahead and conveniently tune in. It was always like some random time throughout the day, and you know it, it just doesn't work if you're somebody within this business. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see what Summer Game Fest has to offer here. Uh, so, yeah, we'll let you know when he announces some things here. Yep. As uh, he still seems to be finalizing details and figuring out what sort of uh, shows they're going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has mentioned they're going to have like an an opening show mm-hmm. with announcements from various companies. So that'll be fun to see. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the last few stories here that are all kind of uh, annoying and icky stories and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, Activision Blizzard has settled their lawsuit uh, mm-hmm. that is part of uh, the EEOC, mm-hmm. uh, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. That is an $18 relief settlement. Uh, not very much. I believe that's kind of the... There's some sort of cap on that kind of thing so that the the amount of money that these sort of companies can get fined mm-hmm. is generally going to be a slap in the wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, this amount is pretty much what a few days of Call of Duty Warzone would bring in. Yeah. Uh, so this is largely nothing. Uh, and I believe I've seen people mention that there are uh, sort of parts of this settlement that if people were to take them, they would not be able to participate in other uh, settlement lawsuits, mm-hmm. which is some very much some corporation scumminess. Oh yeah. To that. Uh, for yeah, people that. Yeah. Want to get any sort of compensation from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a, an $18 million that goes into a fund for uh, people to claim something to the degree of like $450 per claimant. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's largely a slap on the wrist for uh, what they should be paying uh, for the various things they've done. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, that's uh, that's that one. Uh, next one here comes from one of Microsoft Studios Undead Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, with allegations of sexism, bullying, and burnout. Yeah. Uh, things that uh, I believe happened prior to their acquisition with Microsoft, but also yeah. continued after, uh, or that happened before their mm-hmm. acquisition, but continued through afterwards because it seems like Microsoft largely just kept a good distance from the studio, didn't hover over them or anything. And uh, even when they were necessarily uh, alerted to some of this stuff, maybe didn't respond as uh, quickly and forcefully as they, as people there wanted them to. Mm. And that is a big disappointment Mm -hmm. to see. And as we talked about last week, uh, I think that happens with a lot of indie studios is that they are run by people who do not have experience running studios. Yeah. Especially when they do well with their first game and grow quickly. Mm. Uh, maybe do not have any people lined up because I believe they had one person that was a particularly bad uh, leader. I'm not sure if it's Jeff Strain that was it. Yeah. Uh, he formed Undead Labs with a couple of people mm-hmm. as a, an ex blizzard guy uh, to work on this like open world zombie RPG MMO kind of thing mm-hmm. that did really well. Is their first XBLA game with Microsoft? Yeah. Uh, that led to them getting some extra funding and support to grow, mm-hmm. work towards, I guess, com- continuing to work on that MMO thing that still hasn't happened at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's titled Class 4 in yeah. terms of code uh, code names. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like uh, Jeff Strain, particularly not a great manager for the team, causing a lot of issues, even uh, getting replaced at a certain point, getting sent out to you know go fuck off. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it seems like he did not like the idea of them getting acquired by Microsoft. So he got shipped out. Uh, there's a lot here to read, so I'm not going to go through everything there, but that is kind of the the gist. So he got sent out, and the new person that took over was also not a great uh, leader of sorts. Somehow they managed to get State of Decay 2 out there, mm-hmm. make it a pretty good game, uh, but very much a rough uh, a rough release. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, uh, never surprising. The first game was very rough, uh, ran poorly and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, kind of punching a bit above its weight. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, then they announced state of decay three, which as you might realize is still not out mm-hmm. uh, because they have had a lot of issues seeing with managers kind of being more, concerned with uh, trying to push people to uh, get things done to meet milestones instead of things that will help actually get the project in good shape. Uh, Just a lot of stuff like that. And yeah, where's the, yeah, some stuff about how they're 
sexism is a big part of the studio leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I interviewed at the lab, I was sold the idea of a studio in transition that was making diversity, equity, and inclusion the top priority. What it was in actuality was studio leadership painting a uh, DEI face, as in mm-hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion face for Microsoft, while women were consistently ignored, dismissed, interrupted, talked over, and blamed. Women's opinions would be outright rejected, even for extremely basic code or games knowledge. No one would listen to them. Even women in director-level positions were outright ignored, talked over, and blamed for problems. One former developer recalled men asking women to take notes during meetings, Mm. ignoring their expertise, and even making sexist remarks like, you don't look as pretty as normal today, and I'm surprised a girl like you has this job. We'd have meeting etiquette rolled out because men kept talking over women so badly in all the meetings and belittling them, said another former developer. But the guidelines didn't help. And it seems like Strain did not leave, officially leave, until the end of 2019. The current former developers say he already seemed checked out from day to day by early 2018 when State of K2 was getting ready to ship. Hmm. Uh, ArenaNet head of development Philip Holt came on in a support role as chief of staff at the start of 2019, but ended up replacing Strain as official studio head the following year. And yeah, they say if Strain left as an absentee father, Holt came in with the energy of a stepdad. One former dev (laughs) said he knew he wasn't going to be just like Jeff, but still wanted to be our friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several current former devs who spoke to Kotaku weren't interested in reciprocating. They accused Holt of nepotism, putting his own ambition above the needs of the team, and alleging he fast-tracked the hiring of his buddies from other studios to head up new satellite offices in Florida and Illinois. These would expand on Dead Lab's co-development capacity as part of the larger Xbox Studio network, and in doing so made Holt a more important figure in the larger company, mm. they argued. Uh, but yeah, the Microsoft has made some statements part of this. Let's see, they're denying... Uh, that whole aspect of it, of them kind of putting figureheads in charge of these other studios, these support studios, mm-hmm. saying there is a rigorous and standardized hiring process in place at Undead Labs for all potential hires with visibility and review from multiple studio members. Let's see, mm-hmm. current informative devs who blamed Hull for pushing out two director-level women at the studio but not giving them the support needed to succeed and hiring men over top of them in the hierarchy to absorb the roles. Mm-hmm. It was really a pattern where women were uprooted and men were protected and helped. Studio leadership didn't want to upset anyone unless it was a woman. Mm-hmm. And Holt declined to comment on a detailed list of questions from Kotaku. Instead, provided the following statement, uh, you know, where he's very much apologetic about it, but also trying to say that building an inclusive and supportive supporting environment is central to our vision of our culture, how we enable our teams to do our best work, how we build the best games. I recognize that some of our employees, current and former, have shared that their experiences at the lab weren't always positive. Uh, and there's more here. So you're like, yeah, I kind of fucked up, but it wasn't as bad as what they said. And we're being better now. I was like, I don't know, maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see if there's any sort of follow-up reporting, but there's a lot here to check out if you want to read the whole thing. If it doesn't paint a great picture of uh, this, you know, Holt as the new studio director, mm-hmm. I'm sure COVID didn't help things at all. Mm-hmm. Other than probably potentially 
helping out the people that would get belittled and uh, not have to be around them physically all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether that benefits anybody, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, it kind of shows that uh, Microsoft's sort of desire to be hands-off with their mm-hmm. studios is maybe not a great thing to do, especially as like a universal approach. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to do that when you know the studio is in good hands. You can kind of operate on their own. But this game, State of Decay 3, seems to have plenty of issues going on, especially because it's been in the works here for a few years now. We haven't really seen much of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the Perfect Dark team that has speculation around them losing like half of their team Mm -hmm. in the last like six months or so, which is not great for any studio. Uh, and I think Everwild, the the rare game, you know, yeah. the the director for that game left mid development, which is not great. Yeah. Uh, and I think the that game has just basically disappeared as well, mm-hmm. after being announced, much like Perfect Dead or Perfect Dark. Yeah. And Sean, like, uh, if you're expecting Microsoft to come in and do a great job cleaning house with Activision Blizzard and Maybe not. Be skeptical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh seems to be a big, tall task for them. Mm-hmm. To somehow clean out Activision Blizzard and keep the good people. Mm. I don't know how possible that is. It seems like a, a task that is going to be too big for Phil Spencer and his team. Mm. But we'll have to see on that stuff. Disappointing news here. Yeah. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. Uh, But let's see. Last one here. Following up on the the story, I think that was two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. uh, with the people makes game people make games video about uh, sort of three studio heads that have been not having a great time, Mm -hmm. or not having not making uh, everybody else have a great time at their studio. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, a lot of like bullying and abusiveness and all that. And one of those was a studio called Funamena mm-hmm. uh, led by CEO Robin Hunicky, mm-hmm. uh former producer of journey for Sony. Yeah. Uh, as well as being a general indie producer uh, kind of person well-known in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this news has kind of uh, put a big bullet in their future plans. It seems like they're going to be shutting down. Mm. Uh, you know, Chris Brad, who made the video for People Make Games, saying, I'm absolutely gutted to report that Funamena is set to be closed by the end of this month, mm. with all contractors having already having been laid off as of last Wednesday. This extremely sad end to the studio's story, and I hope everyone affected is able to land on their feet. Uh, it seems like Funamena may still have a chance of surviving, but how many people they keep, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a... Uh, Robin Hunicky has put out a statement saying, Leadership is a journey and often a difficult one. It saddens me to know people are hurting from mistakes I've made. I am truly sorry. Right now, I'm taking time to talk to people, focus on the feedback everyone is sharing, and figure out next steps. Mm. So I think they were working at GDC 
to secure funding for future projects. Mm. And so this obviously comes in at a time where it's like, oh, that's probably the worst thing possible for them is to have that kind of stuff uh, happen. Yeah. Yeah, there's an update here saying that they're in the process of securing funding to sustain the studio. Uh, but yeah, if they do not successfully finish the fundraise, we'll be forced to close the studio. Which is like, yeah, I don't know how likely that is after this report came out. Mm-hmm. I'll have to see if there's maybe some second chance for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, not great, but hopefully the, the people that are leaving, those that have been forced to leave and those that are planning to leave, mm-hmm. uh, find a, a good place to land that keeps them in a good situation for the foreseeable future. Mm. Uh, can get back to making games in a more fun manner. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we've yeah. had a a bunch of stuff going on here. Yeah, rather packed episode. And it looks like uh, things will keep being pretty busy if this keeps going, especially if we're heading towards a Summer Games Fest mm-hmm. of announcements as is tradition people announce things well ahead of time Yep. to get out ahead of it or announce stuff that'll get more details at that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it for us for this week. So I'm relieved though. I mean like uh, this month, there's only like two releases on my calendar. I have circled and one of them is, you know, Chrono Cross, which is a game I already played. (laughs) I look forward to this quote unquote break, but, uh, you know, during this break, I hope to at least be somewhat caught up with what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and family know about it and that they should check it out. Uh, as well as select strangers that will not mace and tase you. Yeah. In the streets. Yeah. Uh, or shoot you, because this is America we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, thank you to Brandon Danner for joining this week. Always. We'll be back next week with a new slate of news. And until then, hope you have a good one.